0: Welcome to the Grace Community Church Podcast. We are grace for everyone, community for everyone, church for everyone. We hope that as you listen to the message from this past Sunday, that your heart is encouraged and you find yourself being drawn to Jesus wherever you're tuning in from. We are so grateful that you've joined us and pray that you'll be blessed as you listen to this week's message. friends, welcome to the final Sunday of Advent. The candles of hope, peace, and love have been burning all week, and we finally have come to the Sunday of joy. Joy to the world. What once began in utter darkness has spilled into glorious light. What was once bathed in sorrow is now exploding with great joy. This season that began in the dark because Advent begins in the dark. Advent, this, this season of waiting, of, of longing, of preparation for a deliverer to come. It's, it's a season of asking tough questions for seeing the world as it is. I often read like Batman graphic novels and Cormac McCarthy in this season to, to really see the world as it is. It's a, it's a time to strip away our rose-colored glasses and see things as they are to attune our senses to the brokenness around us, to wake up from the slumber, slumber and numbness that often settles in when we move through our day-to-day lives. It's a time for us to focus, to focus our hearts, to focus our minds, to focus our eyes. But it's not the darkness that we wanna turn our hearts towards. While we recognize the darkness, while we don't shy away from it, while we see the world for what it is and admitting that we're in the darkness, It's a time for us to focus on the light, to begin to see the light that has come, that the light is so much brighter because of the darkness all around it. And so we tune our hearts and our eyes towards that light. We began by lighting the candle of hope because our hope begins in the dark. It's when everything seems to be going off the rails that we cling to hope, a hope that tomorrow will be a better day, that somehow God will pull us through. That this is not the end. We, we see the flicker of light in the dark and we hold out hope. Hope that a deliverer is indeed coming, that God is with us. Hope for Emmanuel. And this brings us a measure of peace, which is the second candle that we lit. The candle of peace, the, the shalom, the, the wholeness of God, the, the promise that one day everything will be set to rights that we can have peace with God and peace with one another, peace in our own hearts even now, if we'll only walk in the way of love, which is the third candle, the one we lit last week. The Christmas story only makes sense if we view it through the lens of love, that Christ came because of his great love for us. For God so loved the world that he sent his son, not to condemn the world, but to save it. It's love. It's an overwhelming and unconditional love that's been poured into our hearts. It is the light to our souls. And that light continues to get brighter and brighter. The darkness is being pushed back more and more each week. And we're nearly ready to receive the good news of the arrival of our King. This is the last Sunday, the Sunday of joy. And that joy begins in the dark just as our hope and our peace and our love have begun. It's a joy that comes from trusting in that hope, peace, and love of God. It is a hard-won kind of joy. In one of my Advent devotionals, uh, The Anticipated Christ by Brian Zond, uh, he he writes something that sets up this passage that we're going to look at this morning so well. And so I thought I would read some of his words. He writes, What news would make you literally leap for joy? What would it take for you to jump up and down and throw your hat in the air? It's what the people did at the end of World War II and at the fall of the Berlin Wall. It's what you might do if you uh, won the lottery or found out that you're cancer-free. When war ends and tyranny topples, when prosperity comes and sickness goes, it's the kind of good news that elicits exuberant celebration. And that's the kind of good news that Mary and Elizabeth celebrate together. It's the good news that the kingdom of God is at last breaking into a world dominated by proud and brutal tyrants. This morning we're going to look at the story of Mary and Elizabeth. It's it's found just before the birth story that we read next Sunday at Christmas. It's at the end of Luke chapter 1. If you want to turn in your Bibles there, we're going to pick up with verse 39. Mary has just been visited by an angel. She's been told that she's going to give birth to the Messiah. So now pregnant, she heads to visit her relative Elizabeth, and that's where we pick up the story. Luke 1, verse 39 says, At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you bear." But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, my baby, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. We're going to pause here for a second. Mary, likely a young teenager, had just received news that she was going to miraculously be with child, that the Holy Spirit was gonna come upon her and that she was going to give birth to the Messiah. And so with this news fresh in her mind, she hurries to her cousin Elizabeth's because she also is miraculously expecting. The story of Elizabeth and her husband, Zechariah, is what opens the Gospel of Luke. If you wanna go back and read the whole first chapter of Luke, the Coles Notes version is this. There is this couple, Elizabeth and Zechariah, faithful followers, of Yahweh and they're getting on in years and have not been able to have any children. But an angel appears to them and tells them that they're soon going to bear a son, even in their old age, much like Abraham and Sarah with their promised son Isaac, that God was going to use this miraculous birth to bless the world, that Elizabeth and Zechariah would have a boy and they would name him John and he would prepare the way for the Messiah. He would grow up to be John the Baptist. Now, there are few things more exciting than sharing the news of your first pregnancy. And I can just imagine how both of these women felt, but especially Elizabeth, who in her old age had dealt with the pain of infertility for many years and the accompanying shame and stigma that would have gone along with that in her community. And to finally be carrying a child, this miracle to be sure, but to know that this child had been marked for a special purpose and had come with an angelic announcement... Not many people get that opportunity to have that sort of pregnancy. But Elizabeth and Mary share those things in common. Their child that they're carrying is set aside for a special purpose of the Lord. They were announced by angels. I wonder how many people Elizabeth told. Like how many times had she shared the story of the angel's visit? Her husband had been struck uh, mute because he had laughed at the prospect of them having a child. Did she keep it to herself? Was she, was she worried that it might have been a dream, that she, she had had this vision, hoping against hope that she wouldn't have a miscarriage in her old age? It says in the verse before uh, we got into the story that Elizabeth, Elizabeth was now in her sixth month, well past the nerves of that first trimester, and she welcomes her young cousin into the home. Now, this is an occasion for joy. The the baby in her womb notices the miracle that has just walked into the room. Miracle recognizes miracle. And the baby leaps in Elizabeth's womb. And Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. And can you hear the joy in Elizabeth's voice? It says in a loud voice, she exclaimed, "'Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear.'" Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? This recognition that the Messiah was was being carried by by Mary. She says, As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. They both were believing for these promises to be fulfilled. And there's this incredible joy, this joy that comes from the Spirit that had filled Elizabeth. And it revealed to Elizabeth that Mary was carrying the Messiah. That that joy is available for us as well. When the Spirit moves in our lives, when we meet Jesus, when we meet the Messiah, we find joy as well. We we cry out, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Joy comes because we've met this one who is our hope, our peace, our love, and, and our joy. Our joy is found in knowing Jesus like when you think of joy, what sort of things come to your mind? What sort of moments? Maybe it is the birth of a child. Maybe it's the birth of your own kids or or a grandchild. Maybe it's you know stories of of new life. Maybe it's maybe it's just the joy of having family together. What sort of things bring that kind of joy? If you were here for the ladies' tea, you would have heard Amy, uh, share a little bit of a meditation on this idea of joy. And one of the things she said that stuck with me was that joy can still be found even in dark places, even when circumstances don't go the way we had hoped. Because joy being a fruit of the Spirit is something that can be cultivated in our lives. It's not the same thing as happiness. It's it's not dependent on our circumstances or things, you know, going smoothly in our lives. Joy is something far deeper. And It's within our reach no matter what our situation is, no matter where we find ourselves. Uh, Amy shared some words from uh, a devotional that she had read from Vanessa Garcia Cruz. And these are some of those words. It says that the truth is that God, the creator of joy, did not place joy out of our reach to make its presence in our lives dependent on our circumstances. Instead, he created the nature of joy to be a product of our relationship with him. That's why you can see people living the most amazing seasons of their lives and still lack joy, while others experience the driest, most painful seasons and somehow remain joyful. The latter have learned how to grow the fruit of joy in their lives through the help of the Holy Spirit. They don't wait for their circumstances to change, telling themselves that they'll be happier when things, or when they get the things they're waiting for, or that joy is unobtainable. They have learned to cultivate joy and therefore enjoy the sweetness during every season of their lives. This is why Jesus came, that we might experience this kind of joy, joy that's not dependent on the darkness all being gone. It is light in the midst of our darkness. Jesus came that we might know that kind of joy. He came to establish a kingdom here on earth not a kingdom like the kingdoms of the world where domination and expansion are the modus operandi. It's, it's not the kind of kingdoms that are still trying to expand and take over other nations in the world around us. It's a completely different kingdom. It's a kingdom of peace and joy. It's a kingdom of hope and love. It's a, it's a spiritual kingdom that looks to um, bring deliverance and freedom to the people who walk in it. And Mary speaks of this kingdom in what has been dubbed her Magnificat. It's the the next passage of scripture after she's greeted by Elizabeth. I I can imagine Mary was feeling all sorts of things as she comes to Elizabeth's home. She's excited to share the news with Elizabeth. And before she even gets a chance to to tell her cousin, her cousin exclaims this, blessed are you among women and the child that you will bear. I imagine she has this joy at the miracle that was growing inside of her but maybe some fear about you know that every mother new mother wrestles with the fear of like well what's this what's this going to be like what's it going to be like I'm not prepared for motherhood. I wonder if that's part of the reason why she ran to Elizabeth's house. She, She knew that Elizabeth was a few months farther along and would have had some of the same concerns would have maybe been able to answer some of her questions or at least share in some of the same struggles But when she steps through the door, this greeting she receives, Elizabeth shouting praises, filled with great joy, it would have been another confirmation that the baby she was carrying was no ordinary baby. If she had doubted any of the angel's words before that, this would only help solidify things in Mary's heart. This child that she would give birth to would be the Savior of her people. She was carrying the Son of God. And in answer to Mark Lowry's tune, yes, Mary did know. She clearly knew the magnitude of that moment. After Elizabeth shares her joy and the joy of John the Baptist in her womb, Mary replies, "'My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed.'" remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Now, Mary understood that this child that she was carrying would change the world. And she was filled with this great humility and joy. My soul rejoices as she contemplates what an honor it is that she would be chosen for this. The mighty one has done great things for me, she says. And she knows that her son is going to do even more great things as he establishes his kingdom. This kingdom that brings down the proud and the arrogant but lifts up the humble. This kingdom that fills the hungry with good things, both practically and spiritually. Because that's what happened the moment he took his first breath on this earth. A new day dawned. A new kingdom was being inaugurated. The wise men, when they came, they came looking for one who was the king of the Jews. A king was born that day in the manger. And that means that a kingdom Had begun. A kingdom unlike anything anyone had seen before or has ever seen since. A kingdom of light and life, of love and peace and hope and joy. It's a kingdom of joy. Paul puts it this way in Romans 14. He says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Peace and joy. This is what the kingdom is all about righteousness, peace, and joy. And we experience this kingdom when we follow Jesus. When we know Jesus and make him known, this kingdom breaks in and and topples the status quo. It pushes back against the darkness and the hatred and the caring about only ourselves. Joy comes when we live in the way of Jesus, when we live in the way of love, when we serve others the way that Jesus did. Jesus came that we might know this joy. One of the last messages that he shared with his disciples in the Gospel of John is this. John 15 verse 9 says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give to you. This is my command, love each other. Some of the last words of Jesus were, his prayer was, or his hope was, I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and, my, and that your joy may be complete. And notice how closely love and joy are tied in this passage, that if you want to have joy, you need to, love one another. You need to remain in his love. You. This is my command, love each other. I've, I've told you all of this. I've told you to obey my commands and to love each other so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Our joy is made complete when we love Jesus and when we love others in the way of Jesus. When we not only like recognize him and see his fingerprints, when we not only understand that he's the Messiah who came for us, the savior of the world. Like Elizabeth and the baby in her womb, like we rejoice at the announcement knowing that he is this great deliverer. It doesn't come when we just recognize, but when we welcome him into our hearts. Not only do we see him, but we we want to know him. We want to walk in his ways. Our joy is made complete when we remain in the love that he has for us, and we remain in that love by loving others. Like, if you're lacking in joy this morning, it might be that you're looking too much at the darkness around you. you you're not seeing the light that is breaking in. It may be that you are are lacking in love. You're not feeling the love of God for you, and maybe that's where your joy is being sapped out of you and you need to remind yourself and be drawn back into that place where you know that God loves you with an everlasting love. But it may also be that you're not loving others well. You're not looking beyond your circumstances and beyond yourself to help others. Often our joy comes when we take the focus off of ourselves and help and love others. Are you seeking him? Are you allowing God to grow joy in your life, even if the circumstances you're in might not be ideal? Because our joy is found in a person. It's found in seeking Jesus and his kingdom. Just like our hope, just like our peace, just like our love, it's found in the person of Jesus. It's all found in Jesus. That's why we light these candles, why we prepare for the coming where we will eventually light that final candle. Our joy is found in a person. It's found in Jesus. And he came that we might know his joy and that our joy might be complete. And this is our prayer for the final Sunday of Advent, that that the joy of Jesus might be in you and that your joy may be complete because you walk with him, because you live in the kingdom, because you experience hope and peace and love in full measure through this holiday season. We pray for you the same way Paul did for the church in Rome. He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's our prayer for you today, is that not only do we light the candle of joy, but we experience joy growing in our lives as we prepare for the birth of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we want to know your joy. We want to walk in your kingdom. We want to remain in your love and love others the way that you love us. Oh, may we experience hope and peace and love and joy, the kind of joy and love and hope and peace that only come from Jesus, that this Christmas season we would know those in increasing measure. As we go about this final week before we celebrate your birth, would we acknowledge the darkness, but, but would our hearts be filled with your glorious light? May we find joy growing in the most unexpected places. May we, like Mary and Elizabeth, share in the joy of miracles and rejoice with one another. Would we lift each other up and celebrate with one another? May your joy be in us and may our joy be complete because we found it in you. We've set our hearts, we've set our very lives on you and your ways. May may we know you are joy as we walk in your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. I'm so excited, like filled with great joy even, that we'll be celebrating uh, by candlelight on Saturday together. If you're able to join us at four o'clock, we'd love to celebrate the birth of Jesus together with our lessons and carols and glow sticks and goodie bags for the kids. If you're you're not able to be with us, uh, we do pray you have an amazing Christmas um, season and that there will be a Christmas morning church at home online. where we're gonna read the Christmas story and celebrate the miracle of the newborn Messiah together online. And we'll have an in-person gathering on New Year's Day um, that you're welcome to join us for. We do hope you have an amazing final week of Advent and that this season continues to change you in really profound ways. And we'll leave you with this final Advent benediction. May your day be blessed by moments of quietness, light in your darkness, strength in your weakness, grace in your meekness, joy in your gladness, peace in your stillness. May your day be blessed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peace to you.